seaweed industry is really the place to be. There are lots of enthusiastic people there, but I think the time is to really automize, mechanize, and to collaborate. It's possible with the right equipment to really disrupt. Drying seems to be the bottleneck. So if we solve this, uh, this will really uh, revolutionize the, uh, the seaweed industry. You talked about prototypes being ready soon. Well, I think there will be something in the news. I'm really a big supporter of using AI and data to uh, reduce the risk, improve the yield, to get the optimal place of seaweed farming, like where to put the farm, when you should seed, watch the value of your biomass, and when you should do the harvesting. This technology exists now. Does that translate into better quality or more product? Both better quality and more biomass. What could your next company or project be about? I have a heart for Africa. Welcome to this new episode of Inside Seaweed, where I'm going to be joined by Morten Crosslid. Morten is the CEO of Sirputis, a company providing equipment for seaweed cultivation and processing. He's also the co-founder of Soft Seaweed, a software solution developed to make seaweed farming businesses more sustainable and profitable. Okay, just a quick one before we get started. Do you want to play a role in the seaweed industry, but don't really know where to start? It's really common to feel stuck, especially in an industry with so much potential and such a huge range of different ways to contribute. It's really hard not to feel a bit overwhelmed. I've been there. One of the best things you can do to gain clarity and build a winning strategy is to surround yourself with a small group of supporting people who are at a similar stage in their seaweed journey. You get advice, feedback, learn from each other, share some of the challenges you're facing and start planning the small steps that will ultimately get you where you want to be. I'm really pleased to say that this mastermind group now exists and it's your opportunity to join. The uh, very first mastermind meeting is scheduled for the end of February and there are still a few seats available. To find out more and reserve your place, head over to insideseaweed.com group. I really look forward to getting started and seeing you there. Now, please enjoy my chat with Morten Crosslid. Morten, thank you so much for making the time. It's nice to sit down and talk seaweed with you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak about seaweed also. Before we go into, into seaweed, um, I want to, to start with, with you, really. I, I'm, I'm not sure if this is how you would describe yourself, but um, you appear to have earned the title of serial entrepreneur. Was that a goal, an aspiration of yours, or did it sort of creep up on you as you went along? I think it all started when I was a young kid. I did actually fishery farming uh, when I was uh, in the 10, 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And got really an interest in the business development then, creating uh, your own business. And from there, it's, yeah, while I was a student, I started my own businesses. Uh, and further, um, yeah, when I was in the 20s, I had several businesses. So and then you got the bug. Yeah, it's, it's addiction to uh, start new companies, uh, create, uh, create new businesses. Yeah. What is your um, framework or criteria in deciding to start or invest in a new company? Basically, it's, uh, it has to be something really innovative and um, also something with impact now. 
I did create a Windows factory, a house factory, and so on. That was in the early 20s. But at this moment, uh, no, it has to be something with impact, make a change. Uh, yeah, try to actually create uh, something that can help create a better world, even. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I also bumped into seaweed, which uh, really catch me in the way that just wow this is a phenomenal uh, product uh, the world haven't really discovered it and i really wanted to see what kind of opportunities is in the the area and um, discovered yes it's it's really underdeveloped uh, there has to be much more innovation here to to uh, utilize it much more mm. when did you find out about it about seaweed 2016 when a friend of mine came to um, to discuss uh, seaweed opportunity with me. I see. So I was I was going to ask you: Have you identified a pattern in how these startups come to life? What I mean is, are they normally your ideas, or is it more like people pitching ideas to you? Do you actively go out looking for new projects to get involved with? So it's a combination of, of both my ideas and uh, uh, friends or uh, entrepreneurs or like uh, founders, inventors who, who come to me. Uh, they either need help for how to actually create a business or how to develop a concept, how to develop a prototype, either it's hardware or software. So, so I found my niche in uh, trying to help them with both finance, uh, concept development, prototyping, uh, building up, being a mentor, being an angel investor, uh, and by that, uh, help them to scale. Uh, so that's uh, yeah my sweet spot there. And um, yeah, I've been having several of those into the seaweed industry now. And um, of course, in other tech, prop tech, ed tech, uh, fintech uh, area. Let's dive into the story of one of your one of your companies in the seaweed industry then, Serpotis. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. What is the background behind this venture and how did they start and develop? So it's uh, connected with Metal Production, who is an engineering company. Metal Production? Metal Production, yes. It's also mm -hmm. based in Lithuania. It started to develop uh, equipment for one of the seaweed farmers, which a friend of mine in Norway introduced the idea. And we developed the equipment for this seaweed farm in Norway. And then there was the idea to create a European Union grant project. And to, to run this project, we had to establish a new entity. We invited investor from Norway, and we developed a project called uh, Large Scale uh, Offshore Seaweed Farm uh, Solutions. Mm -hmm. So the idea was to develop the new innovative production equipment for how to manage seaweed farming offshore. So it's, it's basically all equipment, all technologies related, like hardware solutions, auto-icing, mechanizing, the seaweed farming for offshore. And, and the seaweed farming at that point was in Norway? Yes, uh, only with the company Norway. Being based, with the yeah. company being based in Lithuania? Correct, yeah. So it's interesting because primary processing or, like, like you said, hardware, uh, machinery is not really seen as a very appealing and glamorous area. Like you, you hear a lot about seaweed, obviously, at the moment, but not so much about this, possibly because, yeah, it's maybe not the shiny object. It's more sort of something that happens in the background. 
what made you take an interest into it? How did you get the idea? We saw how uh, human intense the whole production was, seeding, cultivation, har harvesting mainly. And we found out yes, it's possible with the right equipment to really disrupt this area or like really, really uh, uh, get down with 90% of the, yeah, reduce the cost by 90%. And then we thought, okay, let's, let's do this challenge. We applied for the grants. It was a 3 million euro grant from European Union. Uh, and we got that. So it's total a project of 4 million euro. So now we have put on the yeah, the right uh, engineers. We have uh, lots of partners here, universities included. So we have really big, uh, we have this really high, high skilled team working on this challenge. And, and we have uh, all the prototypes or all the equipment more or less developed at this moment because the project started back in 2019. So it's already products have been running for yeah, nearly three years now. Okay, and um, I don't know how much of this you can share at this point in time, but I was going to ask you what what are your main products at the moment? So in in the um, EU product, it's uh, yes, it's it's all from hatchery uh, from the early stage of the value chain to the seeding machine, automized uh, seeding machine, and then uh, very ad, uh, yeah, advanced uh, cultivation system. Here is of course together with a partner called Arctic Seaweed in Norway, who owns the IP. And we have also uh, advanced harvesting machine, of course, the uh, processing equipment further, like blanching, shopping, milling, packaging, yeah. drying equipment. So it's, it's basically all the equipment you need to a new value chain. From the seeding to the primary processing, basically. Yes, and then to, to even to extraction, extraction of different components from the seaweed. So, all right. So, uh, starting with the, with the hatchery, yes. Now, that's interesting because you mentioned drying, which came up a few times with other guests of the show. What made you decide to develop a dryer as opposed to, or drying technology as opposed to other technology for stabilizing seaweed? It's basically because the, the dryer is, is the most costly. Yeah, stage in the process. Right. A lot of clients needs dried seaweed. You can use a lot of other technologies, of course, but drying seems to be big, biggest uh, bottleneck in the seaweed industry today to handle, yes, to stabilize the seaweed. So uh, due to the high energy costs, yes, ninety percent of the seaweed is water. So obviously, it's, yeah. it's high high cost of uh, of drying it down to like ten percent, and Yes, we, we are developing new technologies here also to uh, reduce the cost by also 70-80% yeah. of today's level. So if we solve this, I think this, this will really uh, revolutionize the, uh, the seaweed industry. Absolutely. Where are the winds? Is it a case of reducing the energy intake? Yes, it's, it's the use of uh, energy for uh, how much uh, yeah, heat do you need and uh, the, the process, uh, the equipment, of course, it's, it's uh, under uh, NGA or like it's uh, IP on this. So I cannot tell you specifically uh, about the technology, but but it's it's um, will revolutionize the, the way uh, the drying of seaweed is done. And you feel in terms of what the market wants, you see dried seaweed as uh, the one where there's more demand. 
yes, we we obviously get this feedback from all the seaweed farmers. We speak with most of them in in Europe, also in yeah other continents. All all of them have the the same challenge. Uh, so and it's huge volumes. So um, drying quickly, uh, huge volume quickly, and different types of species is is a challenge. There is technologies that works good in the food uh, or vegetables industry, but drying seaweed because of the um, consistency it's it's a challenge so so especially sugar kelp which is the most uh, explored one or the most used sugar kelp in the industry it's it's um this um, the consistency is, is difficult because it's sticky so it, it becomes a challenge to dry it uh, as other types of uh, of vegetables or do you see any other methods for stabilizing seaweed as having the potential to play an important role in the future? For sure, yes. Uh, doing fertilize, uh, for, uh, doing uh, fermentation, doing uh, freeze-dried. There is several uh, technologies. We, we are working mainly now, yes, freeze-drying and uh, with also, uh, also fermentation. But our focus is really drying because it's, it's, it seems to be uh, what everybody's requesting. Oh, I see. No, that makes sense. But you are exploring with other, where you are experimenting with other methods. Yes, yes. So this, this is probably uh, obvious, but um, who are your customers? Is it individual farmers? Is it more cooperatives of farmers or big corporations? We have focused on the big ones because of um, their ability to uh, pay for the equipment the technology. Some of it's it's costly. It's uh, for taking care of huge volumes. So um, obviously, yes, you need then to work with only the big ones in the beginning. And and uh, the good thing with that is also they have the most experience. They have tested uh, over like 10, 20 years, different solutions. So uh, we quickly get to the results when we speak with uh, the experienced people doing the operations there. They, they have the uh, really qualified input on what, that, what work, what could, what could be done. So our engineers, uh, mechanical engineers and the industrial designers here, they managed to, to move faster than if we would have been working only with small seaweed farmers. So that has been, that has been really the, um, I would say, the success criteria here. Number one, to work with uh, bigger corporations. With, the big players. Yeah, and very experienced people. A lot of in- innovation sounds like it's something you, uh, is very important to you in general. What is your default approach if you feel you have one in bringing innovation to the seaweed industry what i'm really keen to understand is how you successfully link together on one hand the r d element the lab so to speak where you develop innovative technologies with on the other hand the real world of seaweed farming and processing how do you link them together so basically as a it's the understanding of the problem, I would say. Mm. Really understanding the bottlenecks in the industry and see, uh, uh, look at the business case, look at the value proposition. Is the, um, the possible solution here or the problem, is it, how, how much is, the, is it calculated in money if we find a solution to this problem? And then to see what could be the cost of development finding uh, such equipment uh, and would the value proposition be attempting for most of the seaweed farmers? I mean, would, would they, would, how much would be the return on investment for them? 
So to really understand, uh, would they buy it? What to what price also? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a certain uh, element of validation there. Yes, for, yes. The, for the idea. How does that work? Is it a case of asking the the farmers directly? Would they buy it? How much would they pay? Yeah, actually, we just one way one approach is to understand what how much money they spend today on a certain step in the value chain, uh-huh. and then to understand how much you can automize mechanize this process this step. So then then we have the business case quickly, and yes, if there is of course uh, more seaweed farmers to be involved, then you can test this out, do the first prototyping, and then. You scale it. So you first start with a small one, then we scale it to a yeah, bigger capacity. So uh, that's the that's the normal uh, R and D process we run here. Like yeah, without the big investment for the first stage. Now that makes sense. And do um, your partners, in terms of your partners in the academia, universities, other institutions, do they play a big role in that in the development? Yeah, we work uh, close with uh, some of the institutions like Sintef in Norway, who is uh, one of the, I think, the leader in the uh, in the Nordics, at least, even northern part of Europe. Huge, uh, great team of seaweed specialists. So, so they are involved in the uh, EU project at the moment, where we develop uh, a better glue substrate for the seaweed farmers. That will be also considerably better than what is existing today in the market. We involve other universities. We even in, in Lithuania, we involve uh, two universities there in the project. So, so I will say the academia is, is uh, vital for our R&D to get access to, uh, to specialists. You talked about prototypes being ready soon or even being uh, in the water already. Is there anything you can share about that? I understand a lot of that will be protected, covered by non-disclosure agreements and, and, and the likes. Anything interesting that you can share? Well, I think there will be something in the news uh, in the beginning of uh, 2023. Yeah. Uh, for sure, it's, it's related to uh, yeah, uh, seeding, um, cultivation and, and uh, harvesting. And I believe, yes, I believe this will be known for most of the seaweed farmers in Europe during the 2023 year. So very much on the farm, so technology in support of the farm. Yeah, correct. And, and and further, of course, the processing, uh, which comes, um, and, and there are seaweed farms today who doesn't do any processing. Uh, they're just sending out uh, the raw material, which is, of course, uh, not that uh, high value so the idea is here to, to really help seaweed farmers uh, create much more value and, and joining the the bigger part of the value chain so you see you see farmers being involved with the processing as well yes yeah uh, and this makes sense because it's uh, uh, you need to stabilize first of all the seaweed and then there is uh, so many different clients with different uh, needs so i think uh, there is it's easier to process it, some of it at the site, at a lower cost, than transport a uh, yeah, not stabilized, you, you cannot transport uh, not stabilized seaweed for, for a long time. It's degrading. So, so it makes really sense to have smaller mini processing plants around the coastline and then uh, supply it direct to, to even local clients 
it could be anything. So the the, the clients range from from the food industry to uh, cosmetics to you know medicine to uh, yeah all different types of clients here. So um, okay, that is really interesting. So in terms of what you're saying is, in terms of the business model for primary processing, and the model that you see is going to work at scale is not so much having these a network of big processing hubs where multiple farms will converge to, but rather a multitude of small dockside units serving the individual farm. Is that right? Yeah, I believe that they will grow up uh, smaller, like, I don't know, uh, corporations or with the establishment of, of those processing uh, plants, small scale processing plants where uh, five to 10 seaweed farmers is, is joining, like find, find a way to, uh, to run it or to, uh, to establish it together. So every seaweed farmer cannot run their own processing uh, plant, uh, but if, you, if they join together, or there is a separate corporation here who, who really specializing in making uh, local, small uh, dis uh, distributed processing plants around the coastline. That sounds uh, for me like a, a good scenario that will develop in the coming years. I think uh, when there is growing up more and more seaweed farmers uh, and in by the Norwegian coastline, but also I think in, you will experience this in in UK, the same. In your view, do you see these as mobile units in a sort of like shipping container type or pot-like structure? Yeah, we we have uh, developed something for the like. Uh, for mobile for transportation either by boat or by trucks so you can you can ship it around uh, and and uh, put do this in sequences along the coastline like our planet so it's it's running around the coastline and, and processing for example for the different seaweed farmers that's correct so the mo mobile version mobile. Is, is is really uh, one idea we are like we are really believing in and so it, it would the unit would go to a group of, say, four or five farmers, serve them, and then move on along the coastline yes. onto another group. Yes, yes. This the same with this the same with seeding and harvesting. I don't think that uh, uh, all the seaweed farms need to have their own equipment for uh, seeding or, or harvesting. Okay. I think you know the same with hatchery. It's of course now growing up that every seaweed farmers in Norway soon have a hatchery. It seems to be. The, the trend, but because of the uh, biology here, mainly reasons, the risk also involved with the uh, hatchery and the uh, sporophytes. But uh, but I believe for seeding and uh, harvesting, I think there will be service companies handling this, uh, so to to reduce the cost because it's it's complicated, and no small seaweed farmers would be able to handle seeding and harvesting uh, without proper equipment. It will just be, it will be too, too costly. So if there was ever a tractor of the sea, so to speak, mm. then you would see this as a shared or even something that the, that a service company would own Yeah, and they would go in and do the harvest, for example, and do the seeding. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's actually done in, uh, just to make a parallel, it's done in today in the farming uh, like culture, uh, agriculture, so uh, one farmer is is uh, taking care of uh, taking in the grains, 
you know, no, not everyone is is buying the what you call it the um, the, the all the equipment, massive machine, that... the massive machine, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so so they buy the services to there also, uh, and it's because of the huge uh, yeah investment and combined yes, the running cost of such machines. Yeah, and that machine would be sitting would be sitting there unused for a long time, wouldn't it? If if every farmer had one. Yes, so they use it a few days a year, and that's it. then yeah. So so if they now could plan together, like ten, five, ten seaweed farmers can plan it together, all of them would have big savings. Yeah. And have you you know stayed for a second on processing? Uh, have you ever considered developing secondary processing equipment? Uh, I'm thinking, you know, extraction. I think you mentioned it earlier, biorefinery, extraction of ingredients, uh, specific yes. chemicals. Is that in the radar? Yeah, we look at that. Uh, and we look at uh, what this equipment, uh, what kind of equipment is in the market today. Basically, yes, from the East, uh, mostly. Something from, from Europe also. But we really want to s- develop further in downstream, yeah. And that's uh, where we, I think, the main value is created also uh, in the extraction uh, stage. Uh, here you can take out, you know, so many different components, valuable components, uh, which, um, in, in, yeah, would somebody would just have it as a waste if it wouldn't be extracted. So, uh, believe really, it's it's uh, it's the way to go for the industry. And do you think there is a lot of potential there in terms of added value? Yes, it is. I don't have what to say the final calculations for everything now because the the extraction technologies are of course very costly, and depending on what uh, components you want to take out and which kind of sea, type of seaweed and so on, and which volumes you have. But for sure, the research now done on extraction uh, technologies and so on would for sure make sure that there is yeah better tools, or better uh, equipment available in the market soon. Okay. I'm going to switch gear completely and go to a different topic. Go to, well, Brent Smith was a guest of the show recently and he described the ocean as the worst possible place to do farming simply because you you can't see your crops, you can't control your soil, it keeps moving under your feet and you're pretty much at the whim of the ocean. Do you think data and AI can somewhat alleviate these issues? Yeah, for sure, and uh, completely disagree. And uh, that uh, ocean is is a dangerous place to grow food. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I'm really a big supporter of using AI uh, and data to to uh, reduce the risk and uh, improve the uh, the yield, improve the quality of of your crops in the, in the ocean. That's one of the reasons why I actually was one of the main founders of Soft Seaweed, who is a data driven platform. Uh, for seaweed farmers to to optimize the seaweed uh, seaweed farming and the YouTube, we use that we use the data here to get the optimal optimal place of seaweed farming like where to put the farm and uh, when you should seed what's the value of your uh, biomass uh, and when do you should do the harvesting so with uh, with uh, the, all the data available uh, ocean data and weather data and um, all the different uh, parameters we measure uh, with our sensor, uh, we are able to to actually reduce the risk to to uh, very minimum, and to increase the um, crop value or the the yield 
during the year. So so um, this technology exists now, and um, it's it's like uh, it's really will revolutionize the the way offshore farming can be done because offshore farming is of course more risky because you have uh, the the current the waves uh it's bigger distances so operational costs will grow if you are dependent on going with the boat for uh, for checking out the seaweed farm but using sensor technology you can uh, de-risk this uh, totally so so soft seaweed was therefore established to really make sure that offshore farming and and yes seaweed farming in general will succeed much better so let's take that a step back soft seaweed that's a Obviously, a big project you're involved with at the moment. Uh, when did you start that? Was it very recently? Yeah, that was established uh, just in 2021. And uh, we joined also Catapult Ocean, which is the biggest uh, like uh, accelerator for uh, ocean tech companies. We have been uh, now developing the project, uh, both the sensor and the uh, management system. So we are out now uh, with with projects or with the product to the clients, yes. And so you talked about uh, reducing the risk. I suppose that means reducing the risk before you even put the farm on the water. Yes, you you actually don't need to waste so much time on applications also, because most of farmers, uh, first of all, it's, it's where to put your farm. There is uh, any available uh, land, or uh, sorry, ocean, where you can actually <laughs> get the license, uh, license to farm. So that, that's a challenge for most. Uh, with the software, you can identify the areas which are optimal for seaweed farming. That's the idea here now, and we are developing still, but then you get all the application ready for the authorities. Uh, and that's, okay. uh, that can take uh, many months, up to years uh, oh, yeah. in many countries to, to get the license in place. So with, with our software and, and the data available, we reduce this by 90% the time and wow. the money spent on such a license. So obviously, yes, that's the first the first stage, the first decision of a seaweed farm is, is where you should put the farm. Yeah. So how does that work? Would it, would it be the farmer coming to you and soft, soft seaweed uh, providing this as a service? Yeah, it's it's at this moment we do the combination of, of uh, soft with the software and consultancy. Right. Just because we are, are not uh, how to say, able to connect with all the different countries' uh, regulations, but the idea the idea is that we will have access and uh, connections or APIs, what we call it, with regulation solutions, a regulation system, so to uh, to understand where is it eligible to to actually have a seaweed farm, and then to look at the ocean data to see would this place be optimal for the seaweed to grow. Once the the farm is established and the farmer has got his patch of water and is starting normal operations, you can help them at that point as well, right? Uh, how yeah. how would that work? So uh, the first thing is that yes, soft seaweed will uh, help them to to get the license uh, they, and then to to understand how to build a seaweed farm, right? And and basically that's. Um, Yes, as consultancy and uh, access to suppliers of technologies. And then again, it depends on the area, the species, the volume they want to grow and how they, they want to, yeah, where is, who is their clients and, and uh, yeah, 
what what is their final uh, the idea of their final product so very much a, a consultancy type service and uh would you provide if i were a farmer uh wanting to get your support would i need to buy a say a kit of sensors to install on my farm yes. and 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 a software license yes so so basically softsea with is just the the um, the license for the platform the management system where you have uh-huh. all the um, yeah all the modules that uh, you need to run a seaweed farm and uh, access to the suppliers and access to clients yeah and of course the starter kit is uh, is the main thing the sensors that you start with uh, in the beginning to measure like um, temperature, light, it could be current, and different parameters. That is, uh, that is important for the growth of the seaweed. Yeah. We talk a lot about the unit economics in seaweed, well, in the seaweed well, industry being difficult, and the feasibility and you know, the ability to, to, to build a profitable business has been a challenge. How much of an impact do you think this type of technology with soft seaweed could have in making seaweed farming feasible and profitable in the future? So our value proposition is that we reduce uh, the cost by 20%, operational cost by 20% using our sensor and and, uh, the software. We also increase the the top line, the the value and the the price and volumes by 20%. Okay. So you have a double effect here. The reason is that we managed to to advise on when should you should uh, the seaweed farmer should do the harvesting. When is the the best timing here related to the the volume, the biomass, and the quality? Does that translate into better quality product or more product? Yes, uh, both better quality and more more biomass, and without the risk of biofouling. Ah, right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the idea here that we measure the quality, so it's yes, it will be the, the one that you need, but but yeah, avoiding biofolding. Look, I'm I'm not sure if this is something uh, that you're happy to talk about, and um, please feel free to stop me if you're if you're not. But I understand that you've spent some time in uh, Ukraine earlier this year, so I wanted to ask you what was your experience of the war uh, over there and how it has affected you and the work that you were doing over there with. Uh, soft seaweed. So yeah, we, we the, this is a topic I'm glad to to speak about, and it's it's topic that I think affects all of us, uh, all the world, in in a negative way. Uh, and um, yeah, we we soft seaweed. We are doing the software development in Ukraine, uh, having uh, software developers uh, at the, close to the border of Russia, and uh, we been I've been there uh, during the war time. Of course, it's affected us. We had the challenge, of course, then with uh, I couldn't stay. I, I was then evacuated myself. It was not not really uh, safe to stay, uh, even in the West. Mm. Uh, Were yeah. you already there when the invasion started? Yeah, I was uh, in Ukraine and doing the soft, uh, working together with the team of software developers, and I myself. Uh, decided then to evacuate on the fifth day of the war. Uh, my colleagues or contractors, they decided to stay because of the men between 18 and 16 years, they are not able to leave the country. So uh, there was uh, lots of difficult decisions in many families uh, when they um, yeah, had the choice, should they evacuate or should they stay? 
it's it's made a big impact on me also. Uh, of course, I've been working with the evacuation of, of uh, Ukrainians from Ukraine to Poland and further from Poland to Norway and Lithuania mainly. So I was uh, engaged with this kind of uh, humanitarian help uh, in the next uh, two months after the war started. Yeah, so so that's obviously took lots of my time to to um, yeah, working twenty four seven and helping Ukrainians and and also helping uh, uh, giving the uh, the aid for the people there. The developers that you were working with uh, over there, they were all Ukrainians. Yeah, all of them are Ukrainians and uh, living, just living close to the border of Russia. Did they have to eventually also abandon uh, their work and their plans? They, they um, for, for the first two weeks, there was, big, of course, big challenges. They evacuated to the western part of Ukraine, a city called Lviv. After the Russians uh, withdraw from their positions uh, in the north of, of Ukraine and in the, the Kharkov region, where Ukrainians, the Ukrainians took over, took back the, the land. So the developers uh, we had, they, they moved back to their uh, cities. Yeah, so, so but due to the shelling, missiles coming in from Russia every day and it's destroying civilian, civilians um, and, and, of course, infrastructure, there is now a huge challenge with the electricity, water and the heating system. So it's, it's a question now to to evacuate them from uh, from Ukraine completely. So that's something we, we look at at the moment to to, uh, to take them to, to Norway. So you're obviously still in touch with them and the project is still, as much as possible, yes. still proceeding? Yes, the, pro the project is still proceeding and in the same pace. So the, the people are there motivated to work. Uh, they, they know that they have to work and they are, the productivity is actually higher today than it was before. I think one of the reasons is that they really want to to show that the war will is not infecting them, uh, like in that way. Of, of so, but of course, obviously, That's interesting. Yeah, they have the challenging days uh, with electricity and so on. It's good that they use laptops uh, to have battery time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, working on so even the the electricity is taken away for ten hours a day, and they still uh, have the yeah better enough to, to work normally. And uh, because of Starlink, they have uh, also internet. So without, without Starlink, it would be, uh, would, be, would be a challenge. Yeah. Could you, just for the audience that might not know about it, could you explain what that is? So Starlink is a satellite uh, system from Elon Musk who uh, provides uh, access uh, for all Ukrainians uh, for free. Uh, it's basically that yes, most of them have then internet, well, good speed internet in those areas where there is uh, today lost the mobile connection, so lost uh, internet, yeah, Wi-Fi. What do you feel you've taken home from this experience? What is any learnings or any any sort of lasting impression that you that you've received from this? I think one of the the biggest. Uh, takeaway is that yeah, Ukrainians are really uh, resilient people. They love their country and they really fighting for the rights to, to be be, uh, be free. Uh -huh. uh, and um, I think just having that in, in mind and, and seeing how hard they, they fight for their rights, for their free, for a free country, and still 
being able to uh, to work full with their existing jobs now with soft seaweed and uh, everybody's helping out either each other like there are their family members brothers sisters so it's it's really nice to see how they unite in in the fight uh, against uh, russia and uh, i'm sure that uh, the country will be free very soon and uh, of course then it's also for us for soft seaweed it will be uh, yeah, a great celebration because we we have uh, really motivated people there, uh, really uh, doing uh, great jobs, and it's it's really smart people, uh, smart uh, IT sector. Like it's a huge sector, three hundred fifty thousand something people. The sector it's 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 a huge one. It's it makes a big impact on, and uh, the Europe and the US is quite dependent on Ukrainians because of their the volumes and and also they are very competitive compared to. Uh, to what we have here in Nordics. Is there any actual farming in Ukraine? Uh, no, there is actually no farming. But it was more uh, software development. Yes, it's only software development. So Ukraine is it's a huge country in this is agriculture. Yeah, they understand the the how to say industry, but they don't need to really be the specialist in the seaweed farming to to help us develop the software. So as long as they get our input, then yeah, they they manage well. Thanks for sharing that. That's really <laughs> it's it's not it's not every day you can talk about this sort of thing, but I'm glad I'm glad we did. I've got another couple of questions if that's okay. Uh-huh. If you think about areas of the seaweed industry that you're excited about for the future, or any challenges or frustrations that you that you'd like to overcome, what could your next company or project be about? So uh, yeah, I'm. I really um, have a heart for Africa. I uh, really would love to see that uh, the seaweed farmers in Africa would uh, be more fair paid uh, for their products and uh, and having access to, to, to more technology that would uh, help them to, to grow. So the idea is here to, to work with the Norwegian Aid to support uh, seaweed farmers in, in the, especially in Tanzania now, Zanzibar, uh, Madagascar and, and Ghana, uh, which have uh, yeah you have sargassum with, with other uh, tropical seaweed seaweed species. So that's the 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 next goal. Uh, also for soft seaweed is to like, provide them with an app, uh, which can help them to um, to educate them and get access to technologies and access to um, to the market, uh, and then microfinancing solutions because they of course obviously most of them lack uh, money to to invest and uh, we know that the need is big there we have been speaking with uh, the local authorities at Zanzibar among some of them and, and they are yes just well really welcoming such an initiative that's really the the next uh, the next project also here you know, trying to do something in Af- Africa for for people in the audience that might be hearing this and think oh this this sounds really cool and you know maybe even wanting to get involved and this might be at that end i'll take i'll take the blame for that if that's the case Uh, is there is there any any particular uh, skill that you'd be looking for for this type of project yeah we actually we're very welcoming any person that have experience in in africa not necessarily seaweed 
but uh, with uh, some of the seaweed countries in Africa uh, have um, connections with local authorities uh, and of course seaweed specialists who, who knows about the seaweed species there and cultivation solutions they do and, and of course processing. Uh, hmm. The idea is, uh, is instead of being a raw material producer uh, like that Africans could uh, could be a final processing final final products and and use them also in in their uh, on their continent yeah. instead of exporting everything to Asia or to Europe. Okay, I've got one last question for you, um, and uh, is one for you as a serial entrepreneur again. Have you had any failed attempt as a serial entrepreneur that turned out to make you or one of your companies? better in the long term? Yeah, I had a, a couple of failures as an entrepreneur among uh, this like more, uh, more than 20 companies. So it's a couple of them was a failure. Um, and it's, of course, it's related to the people you work with uh, and the, they're both colleagues and uh, clients. Yeah. And that's the bigger lesson in, in life. What you have is like, yes, find, find really the, the people that will uh, build your business and not destroy your business <laughs> so there is um, a lot of pitfalls you can go in when you're building up your company and make sure that you um, are or the company is not dependent on one person or like all decisions made by myself for example so that there is um, that the, the the business is sustainable uh, without you as a founder okay so you try to make yourself almost unnecessary yeah that's the goal always to to make sure that uh, there are people there who to catch the vision catch the um, and, and manage to run the company without me in the, in the lead and and, and uh, this is one of the the main area of focus now uh, so with my lessons and the, let's say failures uh, from before I think one of the main <laughs> success criteria with the running several companies, it's like having really uh, people that is managing 100% uh, independently, like uh, run, run the company without my input, without my interference. Yeah. Fantastic. Before we bring this to a close, do you have any final message for the audience or a call to action, anything at all? Well, it, it would be uh, just that seaweed industry is uh, really the place to be it's a lot of enthusiastic people there uh, but i think also now uh, that the time is to really automize and mechanize the industry yeah uh, and to collaborate uh, and uh, really happy to uh, to reach out to all of you there invite you to a discussion a collaboration because it's the only way that we can uh, really make the seaweed industry a bigger success is to collaborate Hmm. So I'm really open for uh, having uh, you to contact me uh, and discuss any type of collaborations on uh, either if it's the software, hardware, or just uh, seaweed farming in general in different continents. Yes, brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for that. Uh, where would you direct my audience to learn more about what you're doing, your ventures, uh, or to contact you directly? Is there any platform? Uh, yeah. I'm thinking LinkedIn or, or anything like that where you would direct them? They could contact me on LinkedIn. Um, that, that would be the easiest, yeah. Okay. And we'll put links to Soft Seaweed and Surputis, uh on the show notes. Thanks, you. 
very much appreciated. Thank you so much for taking the time. This has been brilliant and very, very informative. Thank you. It was a pleasure to, to, to join.